What's up, guys? My name's Adam Gusky, and you're listening to the Mad Awareness Podcast. What's up, guys? Today I'm joined by John Broad, and we interview Tyler Berger, coming off the fresh dub at the first Wrestling Underground event ever. Um, we get into the event, what it was like wrestling inside of a cage, um, calling out Ashnault at the end, tell them to put down the spaghetti and meatballs. And we also get into uh, Berger's tweet a couple of years about a couple of years ago about Nolf, as well as his 100 mile walk that he took with Eric Schultz. Before we get into it, please make sure you're subscribed and have left a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I would appreciate that a lot. And if you want a Mad Awareness t-shirt, they're out now. They look awesome. I just got mine last week. Um, You can find those at tdpclothing.com. That's tdpclothing.com. And that's all I got for you, folks. So with no further ado, let's get it rolling. All right. John and I are here with Tyler Berger. How are we doing today, man? Doing great, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. It was my pleasure. John, how are we doing? Dude, I'm doing great. I'm excited to to talk to Tyler about this event. Um, killed it. Went out, got a win. Did it in uh, an impressive fashion, and then um, called out Anthony Ashnall at the end. That was sweet. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The it was a little muffled. Most people were asking me, "What it? What did you say about spaghetti and meatballs? What was that at the end?" Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I'd, I'd explain them. Explain the. It was almost like explaining a joke to make it funny. So <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Yeah, it's not the same. I'm like, well, listen, this is who I called out, and yeah, not the same. <laughs> no. But, but you did a good job because, like, that's one thing in the UFC. You know, if you watch MMA, at the end they give them the mic and they're like, hey, you know, say something so we can pump the next card, right? So you did yeah. a good job of of being like, yeah, I want this to happen again. This is who I want to wrestle. Let's make it happen. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I've been seeing a lot about Anthony and not a whole lot of action. So uh, he wants to get back on the mat. I'm ready to scrap. God, I love that. <laughs> Did you have that planned out before the match? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. I'm always two, three, four steps ahead. That's that's what someone asked me the other day. They're like, "Do you plan your celebrations?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, <laughs> of course I plan my." <laughs> Dude, it's not spontaneous. It, so my girlfriend was actually giving me a hard time because uh, she came out to the match. And we were in the hotel room and I was like throwing three, four different things that I was going to do after I ended up not even doing any of them, but it's like, yeah, of course I have something I'm going to pull. Like everyone does. Yeah. Everyone practices in the mirror, what they're going to do out in the field. <laughs> like, you know, I'm yes. idiot. You're like I'm going to flex here. I'm going to pound my chest yeah. and point up to the crowd over there. Like, yeah, oh, just wanna, if you look like an idiot doing something, I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't want to be seen like that. That's stupid. <laughs> I love it. Dude, the other side of that is you can see the people who have never even thought about it. And they're and like, surprised. so dumb. Like, bro, you've never 
celebrated in front of the mirror. Nobody told you that was a bad idea. <laughs> no, they're almost like surprised oh, they won, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> they don't know what to you do. Flex where it's up here, flex, and it's like you can't even make the yes flex. Yes, yes. Nate Diaz has never flexed in front of the mirror. <laughs> For sure, oh. never. But you had a Nate Diaz call out at the end, though. That was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm actually what, brothers. Yeah, that's what that's what's needed though to build this, dude. It's it was such a good event as far as promotion execution. Like even the matches were fantastic, and as far as wrestling in a cage goes, it's amazing. Like it's such a cool nuance to the sport of something just a little bit different but different enough to make it like it, it, it's a key factor in the match and unbelievable. Anytime that there's another one, anytime that there's a WEG two, I'm trying to get on it three, whatever it is. It's, it's awesome. I love wrestling in the cage. Dude, you that's and, awesome. You and Ashnall, they're both guys that will like talk, aren't afraid to talk on social media too. And you're both like very confident people, so I just I would love to see that match and the hype around it. That would be awesome. Yeah, I mean we'll see what happens. Um, I, I would love to see I would love to see him out there. And I so I don't know. So I actually didn't know he was going down to 65 kilos. Um, I, I thought he was going up to 74. He looked pretty big at 70. So I don't I don't know how his body is adjusting to that, but. Um, if we can make it work, if we can find a weight, and that's the thing, like, I'm not scared to cut weight. Like, at, when when uh, this event came up for WG, I I was saying yes to wrestling at 170, and then obviously with Joey, we were negotiating weight, and yeah, man, like I'm not scared to I'm not scared to cut weight. Like it feels it, it almost puts a little bit of an edge on me when I like, oh, this dude makes me want to cut weight. Okay, like I don't I don't mind not eating for whatever it is. I don't mind missing a meal. It And I'm in the sauna grinding it out. Like, it's great. I It gives me a little chip on my shoulder. And it's a part of the sport that I think a lot of guys, you can, you can make it a grind. Guys are wimpy and sad and, oh, I can't eat and I don't feel good. You know, like that kind of thing. Bro, it's like, you got to embrace it. And it's, I'm in the grind. And then I got to think this guy's, he's not doing this. You know, he's not he's not missing meals. He's eating, he's happy, he's fat, he's coming in hydrated. I'm coming in like a sucked out grape, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love not feeling good. And then, yeah, let's scrap, man. And that, and that's the same with Anthony. I think he's a little light right now, but if we can find a weight that works, let's get it going, man. That's awesome. If you can, if you can put so, down that spaghetti. Put down spaghetti, bro. He's, I mean, he can be eating spaghetti and garlic bread and subs and whatever else they eat on the East Coast. It doesn't matter. They can be, he can be the loud East Coaster all he wants. But once he steps in the mat, his his posse isn't going to be able to step in there with him. You know what I mean? It's just going to be me. And, him. and uh, I've been putting in the work. It's not, it's not just, it's not just words coming out of my mouth. So there's a lot of confidence coming behind what I say. 
So how did this how did this come about? Did you just check your DMs and Chael Sonnen's in there or what? <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for Chael to hit me up. No, I uh, so I actually know Kevin Keeney, who is partners with Chael. And we go back way in Oregon, um, known him since, you know, my dad. So actually my dad known him when we were kids and growing up in Oregon, obviously there's that connection. And so hit me up about it, said, Hey, listen, there's this event coming up. Gave me about, you know, it's like a month notice and I've been in the room working, lifting, staying in shape and, uh, you know, best shape I actually ever been in my life, I think as far as mentally physically and then this this event came up and I was ready to say yes to short time and went through about three or four guys maybe even five of hey would you wrestle this guy yes would you wrestle this guy yes would you wrestle this guy this way yes and you know some guys back out some guys say no just doesn't work out all these different things and then finally uh, I said I think he asked me would I be willing to cut weight and I was like Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then that's when that's when the lower weight classes started to become a thing and uh, found Joey. And uh, yeah, I said, let's fire it up. Let's go. That's awesome. Yeah, we were looking uh, uh, Nickel and I were looking at the, the odds on this. And he was like, he was like, the odds in some of these matches are like, stupid. You know what I mean? Like, they don't they don't make a whole lot of sense. Like they're really good, like bets to make. And I think there's a limit. You couldn't bet more than a certain amount on some of the, some of the matches, but like yeah. the draw, the line of like who is betting on it was like, this is kind of confusing because people don't really understand what they're betting on, on some of these, some of these matches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, like, for instance, like even in, in Chill's podcast, he was talking about like, Oh, don't count burger out. And I was like, Okay, well, in my head, Burger's the favorite. So, I, I mean, like, I'm, I'm uh-huh. yeah. far chill. <laughs> yeah. I had, I had friends texting me, like, dude, are you the favorite? Or, like, what what is going on? And in the betting odds, I was a favorite. And then it seemed like all the talk, I was the underdog. And I was like, listen, bro, I'm going to get you a steak dinner. <laughs> Give me money on me. And so it was fine. I didn't know about the limit. And I was going out there, I was going to put my whole paycheck on it. Like I was, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm going to win. Like I'm, I'm going to, and then I found out there's a limit to the betting odds. And I was like, oh, okay, like whatever. But um, yeah, yeah, I was, I was, I was actually confused about that too, because through all the talk and the social media, it was like, I was the underdog and then all of a sudden the betting odds come out and then I'm, I'm actually favored to win. I mean, it was, I mean, all that, you know, like all that's just noise and going in, I was very confident in what what was going to happen. I, uh, I don't bet on sports anymore. I, I threw my entire, everything I made the week. So I was like, what you're saying, like you were going to bet your paycheck on it. Yeah, I did that. I bet my paycheck of the week of fight week, um, on Ben to beat Masvidal. And about five seconds later, I lost all that money. So I was like, yeah. never doing that again. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've, had my, I've had my fair share of bad betting experiences. But that's – yeah, no, that's – limited to poker. And if there's an extreme sports bet, I'm always down to throw it on. <laughs> that's hilarious. Good stuff. 
what was it like? Uh, like, what are your first initial thoughts from wrestling on in a cage? So first thing was it's smaller than what I initially thought. So warming up, getting ready to go, we were always outside of the cage. And obviously, like platform wise, it's different. Like it's not a mat. It's not a soft. You could hear the thumping throughout the match. And so uh, I was actually, I was warming up with Tommy Gant and the, I think it, so it was the morning before we wrestled and we were in there, we were on the mat, like these warm up mats and they were cleaning the inside of the mat. There were like, there's a lot of precautions as far as um, COVID goes and like making sure we're extra cautious with things. And we asked them, we're like, Hey, is there any chance we could step into the ring for a little bit and just kind of feel stuff out? And so leading up to it, we had practiced, I'd practiced a little bit with uh, one of our guys on the wall. And obviously with the wall, there's no give. And like, you know, we're training a little bit, like max 10 minutes. I was like, Hey, I want to feel some stuff on the wall. Like get me up against it. Get me in a single up against the wall. Let me get you up against the single. I want to feel how, what it's like. Then we go into the ring and it was like, first of all, the, 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 fence has a, a lot of give it hurts it's not a soft padded wall it's <laughs> i mean apparently going it's different but like i mean even tommy had a body lock i think on on the cage and his hands were up against the cage and my body's on the back and he's like dang bro like this does not feel good like, <laughs> you know and so and yeah it's a lot smaller than it's smaller than a mat and so like as we're working and we maybe had five, 10 minutes inside of the actual octagon. And I was like, bro, like, I think I can, I think I can get this guy up against the cage, like pretty easily. It's one, two steps. If I shoot a hard double, he like, where is he going to go? You know, he's not going to, he's going to take a couple steps back. And I knew going into the match, he had a good chest wrap. He has a good front headlock. You're up against the cage. There's, there's none of that, you know? So actually being in the, in the actual ring was gave me more confidence going into the actual match. Yeah. I, I mean, so the rule set being what it was, you, you guys like weren't able allowed to wrestle off the cage or no. So basically what they told us was practice room rules. If you're up against the cage, off the wall, wrestle off the wall. Yeah. So okay. there's a scrap, like, you know, they, they wanted us, don't don't be stopping if you hit the cage don't stop it's gonna be we're gonna let you guys work if action were to stop then hey stalemate like a stalemate position so stalemate stops we're gonna go back to the center we're gonna keep it going but like you can get a guy up against the cage wrestle as if you were up in the practice room and you know put put the guy up lift him up suck his legs out underneath him you know whatever you can the takedown work as if it's the same thing which yeah, in my match, I think a couple times it worked in my advantage for sure. That's that's what they should do because, like, when you're in the practice room and you get that freshman and you throw him against the wall and he stops wrestling and you're oh. like, yes. <laughs> and then you, you like, run him into the dirt. <laughs> you get, like, this, this super chop where you kick off the wall and chop his arm at the same time. <laughs> that's the same. So we actually had that in practice. Uh, yesterday where our 97 pounder our one of our coaches Kokish was wrestling our 97 pounder Schultz 
kind of big, this baker back and forth before practice. We were wrestling matches. Schultz ran him into the bleachers. Didn't just run him into bleachers, but like a continuous wrestling in the bleachers and had to be like, Hey, you have to stop that action. <laughs> you got to stop. You, like, what are you doing? You have to stop. You know, it was one of those things. And yeah. dude, all college wrestlers know what that's like. It's, oh, it's yeah. in every room. It happens. Tempers flare. Yeah. It's great. Well, dude. if they've got bleachers, they should just add some some cage by the bleachers. Like you can right. watch just through through a cage, and then we can get good at wrestling off of a cage. A huge rectangular cage. And just <laughs> let them go. Let natural selection <laughs> take its place. That's what it is. Yeah. Natural selection. One of my coaches, he was like known for just like taking freshmen the first like month of practice and just like riding the shit out of them and not letting them up like when practice was done. And oh, yeah. our our old wrestling room used to be like there was like a door to the field house. So like the entire track team was practicing. And he just beat the shit out of this kid for like <laughs> probably thirty minutes in front of like all the track girls. So oh, like no he's limits. got some dad strength. That that oh, is yeah. something that as far as wrestling practices go, if we my suggestion was many years ago, if we could get some cheerleaders into our practice room, do you realize how much harder our guys would wrestle? <laughs> <laughs> like there is something so that was actually funny we run the stadium um 6 a.m in preseason oh god and just so happens that the cheerleaders are in there at 6 15 or something like that because they're practicing for the game the next day <laughs> guys are going so hard <laughs> on a friday morning at 6 a.m it's like, wow, I didn't know you could actually work that hard for a girl that's probably not looking at you, you know? <laughs> yeah, but you think she is, right? But you think but, she is the whole time. The track team came into our high school room one time, and they were, like, getting gear out of, like, some office or something. And I remember Matt returned my partner, like, seven times. Dude. Every time, right into his face. They, like, left, and I was like, hey, man, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. He, like, he's like, I right for sure <laughs> dude that's funny because coach snyder one of our coaches my freshman year redshirt year so red shirts in nebraska we will have these like lo- we'll have longer workouts when varsity is in the middle of season and they're getting ready for a duel we had a home duel getting ready they're i don't know who they're wrestling but they had their normal little practice and then they they're getting ready to make weight and red shirts are, are scrapping and Snyder stayed back to wrestle with me and he rode me. We scrapped. It was like a 15 minute go. I think he rode me for 12, 13 minutes in front of this other big 10 team. And for me, like if you know anything about my career, as far as like image goes, like I didn't ever want to have any kind of weakness show. And I was and the only thing going through my mind the entire time was, Dude, this other Big Ten team, coaches, wrestlers, all know that I just got rode out for so long. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I was so mad, and I thought about it for so long. I was like, are you serious? I can't believe this guy actually did that to me. (laughs) In your defense, it's Snyder. Yeah, he's actually pretty good. He's a 40-year-old man, and he's still really good at wrestling. 
Yeah. I bet. Dude, getting back to wrestling underground, like they they should make this its own thing, right? Like I feel like they should make it its own entity. I think that they should I think they should have a belt. I think they should just like make it okay, different from the UFC belt, obviously. But if you give UFC fighters um, a chance to cross over and be like, oh well they're the you know, UFC underground grappling champion as well, that like helps their like how they market the UFC fighter, right? But what we're also going to see is like you get somebody with a pretty big name who's considered a really good grappler and you get a high level wrestler and high level wrestler wins. That helps wrestling. That helps the the world of wrestling. That helps that wrestler build his brand. Right. And like both guys get paid. I, I see it as a, you know, an absolute win. I mean, absolutely. You, I mean, so through COVID, I think this, this birth of these events that have been coming up. You had the event in Chicago on the rooftop with J.O. and Nolf headlining it and then Wrestling Underground. Like, these events are, in my opinion, so good for wrestling. You had Flo with uh, J.O. or not J.O., Dake and Chimizo. I mean, so first of all, all these things are starting to be – it's a new field for everyone. And so wrestlers are getting paid people are making money off of it and they're starting to realize that wrestling as a community, everybody wants to watch high level wrestling. Everyone wants to watch these map matchups that may or may not happen, you know? And so like me and McKenna, we'll probably never see each other ever in an actual tournament setting or world team trials or anything like that. And people get to watch these things and you add the cage into it. It's just like an added element that, of unknown, you know, it's like, Oh, can he like actually do it in the cage? And then there's like an excitement of like, Oh, could that guy make a transition into, you know, is there, is there a transition into the next, you know, and and you see a lot of wrestlers doing that. Bryce Meredith is, I think came out public of doing that. Richie Lewis is coming out, transferring into all these MMA things. And it's like, well, you see this trend of Tyler Berger. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, that's meant. So actually, there was some. Uh, so Richie, so yeah, reached out to me about hey, submission underground. Would you be willing to do both? And I've never had any training. <laughs> and, <laughs> and like, and so my first idea is like, bro, it's not really gonna sell if I get choked out in thirty seconds. <laughs> you know, like yeah, if I have training. And hey, man, if I had, it's all a thing, like two to three years of training, you have guys that have been boxing their whole life or have been doing jujitsu their whole life. And then I'm just a wrestler who goes out there and like, oh, I'm going to be tough. Well, being tough doesn't always get it done. And you got to know like what you're doing in there. And especially now with media and like people can watch things and dudes are killers now, you know? So yeah, has it crossed my mind? Absolutely. But has the training been there? No. no you know how <laughs> no training. And I'm smart enough not to take a match where I know I'm not I'm not gonna win. You know how Tony Ramos is doing jujitsu soon? Okay, yeah. Uh yeah. He's it's like Gordon Ryan's brother or something, but he's supposed to be a beast. So yeah, I don't know much about this guy, but 
yeah, he's supposed to be really good, right? Yeah. I wonder how that's going to go, though, because, I mean, I don't know. Maybe Tony Ramos has been training a lot, but that'll that'll be interesting to test those waters. It's just I was thinking the same exact thing. I was like, man, Tony really took this match, and there's no special rules, so it's completely yeah. jiu-jitsu, right? Yeah, like you can do leg locks or whatever the wrestlers don't like. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, yeah, when he took that, and I was like, uh, does he have like some training that nobody knows about or, or like dude so I rolled around actually with my buddy in Portland who has been doing jiu-jitsu after so he went to college didn't wrestle in college but he started doing jiu-jitsu and the guy's been doing it for a couple of years and he's not like great by any means but has been doing it and I obviously haven't he I mean he tapped me out we, we like would just like mess around and yeah, he tapped me out like, you know, a couple minutes. Like I have a little bit of awareness from wrestling, but I'm I'm not gonna hang with him. And then as as far as like an elite level guy, I, I hope Tony knows what he's doing going in that <laughs> out because those guys are yeah, it's just a different skill set, you know. You can't just grind a guy into the mat and and yeah. Just... There's also like you the grappling iq like a wrestler's got a good grappling iq but there's some things that are flipped especially like you take them to their back they want to be there you know exactly. what i mean yeah so yeah. weird wrestlers want to grind and jiu-jitsu is like okay like here come here <laughs> you know yeah it's almost like uh it's like those those technical scramblers you know that don't look like they're wrestling too hard but they're really really good at scrambling and like you know almost like ben style of wrestling yeah, that's jujitsu across the board. There are no like grind jujitsu guys. It's it's all fluid and very like we're gonna chop exactly there on the arm and we're gonna you know what I mean? Yeah, like, at least at at a high level. But the the thing is that like wrestlers translate really really well. But you do need like you were saying like you do need like a year or two under your belt yeah. in that in that field. Yeah, because I mean you can have a guy that. They look like they have no muscle at all. They look like they could be a little pudgy. That dude could kill you on the streets, you know, like <laughs> could destroy you. And those are like kind of like those guys that you're talking about in wrestling, like super relaxed, weirdly funky, flexible. And it's like, hey, listen, you can't take that guy lightly. He could, he, he's got some stuff, you know, it's like. Yeah. It's like, it's like Seth Gross style. Like. He's, I didn't want to say it, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to be the one that said it, but yeah. Oh, I didn't mean like that, but like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, like he's so he's so good, but like you stand next to him and you're like, you're, I wouldn't think you're a national champ, but like he's so good. You watch him wrestle and you're like, that dude's so good at wrestling. Yeah. yeah. And, and everything he does is Gary, little thong. Nathan's winning every single time in a picture. <laughs> You know, <laughs> we've, seen it. we've seen it play out. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Like the, the highest level of, of wrestling scene, like people of different, like body styles too, but totally different styles watching it play out at the highest levels. Like, man, it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch. For sure. I think that, I think that, that going back to the wrestling underground, man, if this was like, it's, it's a whole sport, like, I am 
the cage wrestling champion. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and that, that's just another title, like with more titles and more, you know, labels, I think that it's just better for the sport. Like if you were, if you could be a flow card champion and you could be a cage wrestling champion, you'd be a world champion. You could be, you know what I mean? Like the, the different titles, yeah. it all fits into building the sport and having more events, more promotion. Yep. Preaching to the choir, man. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. It's a, uh, it's a cool thing that that's been going on. And I think everything that's been going on now with the pandemic has people have been jumping on board with this kind of stuff. And I think it's, it's been the spark that, uh, that, that wrestling is needed for sure. Hey, you guys keep think- talking real quick. I have to upgrade our minutes on the meeting cause I haven't done a three person meeting before. So, (laughs) but keep going, keep going. Good stuff. All good. Yeah, no, I think that, um, I think it's weird because wrestling seems to have like the fan base and the viewership, but there's, there's like, you got to get people to buy the events consistently, right? They can't be casual wrestling fans. They got to be consistent paying wrestling fans. So that carryover might be, might be harder because, you know, the stigma is okay. Wrestling fans don't like to pay for stuff, right? So if you can get, casuals to buy into a better system of like whatever it is they pay they pay that amount and then they can watch all the wrestling they want you know what i mean mm-hmm. and um because the fan base is there and the numbers in wrestling grow every year a lot mma has been a big part of that um casuals always want to put their their kids in wrestling because wrestling makes you tough wrestling makes you successful in life teaches you how to work hard so I think this is a good time for wrestling. Like if we look back when wrestling was kicked out of the Olympics, since then it's been a total wave of now we have being a professional wrestler is not like a, a rare, super rare, unattainable goal. It's a pretty common thing with the RTCs and the structure that we are building. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Especially in the United States, as far as the bit, like you said, the build for wrestling, I think has only gone up since that that time like you said like we were at a time where the it was not going to be an olympic sport which is insane you know like you i mean people talk about all the time you watch kids when they mess around what are they doing the wrestling you know they have no idea what they're doing but it's the most primal thing that we have and people want to have that i mean young boys girls now even like girls are getting into it and it's oh what I would think it's a beautiful thing. You see kids that want to know, they want to put themselves to the test of, am I better than you? Am am I better than you in this? And like wrestling is the start of it, you know? And so now people are starting to build into fighting, but you don't want young kids getting hit really hard, you know? So the foundation of it is wrestling. And now you like wrestling if it starts getting more popular and then now you transfer over to the mma and there's money there but like do we need mma of course there's a lot of money there boxing there's tons of money but like if we can build wrestling as far as mental health and like just sustainability throughout life wrestling is probably the most durable sport where that's it. You know, you can wrestle for forever and mm-hmm. and be able to stay intact with your head and, like, you're not getting rocked. You're not getting knocked out or anything like that. But it's 
anyone who's been in the sport, there's a reason why wrestlers are deemed as this, like jujitsu guys, they think wrestlers are crazy. They're like, oh yeah, we're the same, except those guys are a little different. <laughs> you know, like they're a little <laughs> off the rocker. <laughs> but yeah. there's something in the sport of wrestling that has that primal, like, okay, like there, there's something in there that's more than just a sport, you know? Yeah, and I think I haven't put my finger on it until kind of recently, and maybe I I still don't have the best way to explain it. But like when you look at all the sports in like a, like a, a college athletic program, right? You look at all the sports. We have all of these sports, right? It's almost like we have all of these sports, and then we have wrestling. It's mm-hmm. like it's a completely other thing, and yeah. you. It's almost like the world of wrestling is different than other any other sport, and they try and put it together like these are college athletics. But it's, it's really its own thing. And I think um, Duke Rufus uh, likes to say that folk-style wrestling is America's uh, martial art. And I think that's a good way to put it. It's like, okay, like, yeah, folk-style wrestling is like, it's a martial art. So we've got all of these sports, and then we've got organized fighting. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, you can't, you can't really compare the two. It's like, oh, I played a sport in college like oh i wrestled in college like that's a different thing dude they are are completely different things oh you don't actually know (laughs) (laughs) yeah no for sure man it's and so that's the thing like once you get to college too as far as young kids go it you get to the point where it starts to separate like going from high school wrestling to college wrestling there's a separation and then in college wrestling obviously with the senior level there's a separation but there's also guys that you see in that mix of the transition of you guys that actually love the sport for the guys that like have this weird enjoyment of getting beat up, you know, or like, you know, they almost have like a, it's a weird tick of like, they're, they're getting beat, beat up in the room. They're getting the crap beat out of them. And there's almost like, Oh, they, they enjoy this this activity you know and then and then there's the guys in the sport that like enjoy the social media part of it and they want this like they want to be noticed and they want to like i want to be a national champ but like really the killers in the sport know like you don't you don't understand like you don't enjoy what we enjoy about the sport you know and so usually you start to see those guys fade off and they fall off in the, in the mix and then you see them in the senior level and there's still some guys in the senior level that are like, they still want this, like they want to reach a level of, of popularity or they want to attain something that they didn't get in college. But then there's the few, like very few killers that are like, you doesn't matter if they win or lose, but like, I don't really want to wrestle that guy, you know, cause that <laughs> dude is a little different. And those are the best guys. Those are the best guys in the, for the sport of wrestling. Yeah, because uh, those kind of kids are, like, good in high school, right? And then they kind of party too hard and kind of fall off in college because they don't love the, the process as much as they love just the attention that wrestling brings. Yeah, yeah. No, bro, that's – so one thing that I've seen as – actually, as I've gotten older, or so even my later years in college, when I would see a freshman come in, it was something that – you, you could start to tell the ones that were going to make it and the ones that, that bro, you have no clue, you know? And so one of those guys was uh, Nebraska's one for the seven pounder now is Peyton Rob was 
you could beat him up. He, he, I mean, he came in and obviously it's like this, there's a dominant thing that comes in where a fifth year and a senior or a freshman come in and you want to beat him up. Or obviously we had James and Jordan and those guys, it doesn't matter. It's not a dominant thing with them. It's more of, they're just better than everyone else. (laughs) And so they would just, you know, they're, they're crushing guys. And something that he, like, he took, he took it so well as in like, Oh yeah, no, I felt like this position, I got better here or I got I got to the legs here and it was like, dang, no, this guy's going to be really good, you know? But then there's other guys where they start to get into a room where they're not the best guy anymore. And all of a sudden they don't love the process of working hard. You know, they don't love coming in and getting beat up. You know, that they're not, they're not really about the sport and the, the true of what wrestling is they're there to you know get this name out or get this brand out and they they're not they're not about the life of of you know getting your head beat in and then there's something about um, one man versus another one and then all of a sudden this guy imposes his will on you and you're like wow that guy has something that I don't have and then being able to take that and be like okay I want to continue to grow you know, a lot of guys, they're going to shy away from it. And you see that a lot in college athletics, especially in wrestling. Um, you know, they're, they're not about what this, what this sport is uh, truly about. That's yeah, a we point, had a – go, go ahead, Adam. <laughs> Too polite. <laughs> <laughs> um, we had a kid this year uh, named Tommy Hoy, and he was, like, injured at, at the, the pretty much the whole year, right? So he, like, medically redshirted and, like – He's just one of those kids where you're like, you could, you could tell like, oh, this kid's going to be good. Like first time I wrestled him, I was like, oh, that kid's going to be really good. Right. And he was just a freshman this year, but his, his wrestling's on point, but his attitude was, was killer. Cause the coach would be like, all right, Hoy, you're going to do like 10,000 lunges this week. And he'd do them all right. Like it doesn't matter. Like he put him through a bunch of torturous workouts. And I was kind of thinking back, I was like, oh, man, was I, was I that? that much of a man my freshman year i don't know <laughs> yeah you know yeah but those are the kids with the right attitude that you're like that kid's gonna be that kid's gonna be good yeah so and that, that's the other thing it's it's weird about it's weird about competition is coach snyder has come up with this idea and he talked to me a lot about it when i was young of so you have these guys that are either so there's two spe- there's two sides of the spectrum of you have guys that can go out and have the ability that can party all night, can go crazy, and then they come in the room, they're not really working hard, but they can still compete, and they're lights out when they compete, right? Like, we all know that guy. There's a couple guys that come to, to come to mind. No need to say it. Then there's Askren, Askren calls those the Cowboys. Exactly, the Cowboys. Exactly. <laughs> those guys that are just so tough that it's like, oh, I don't need to do anything, and I'm going to come in, I'm going to still beat the crap out of you. Then there's the guys that are like, no, I got to do this, this, and this, and this. And if I don't, if I don't get eight hours of sleep, eat, I'm not going to eat any sugar or carbs, and I'm going to do all the things right. I'm going to win in the practice room. And then all of a sudden they get in the competition and they can't do it, you know? And that was something for me that was true in my, the beginning of my college year of college years of like, I'm going to do everything right. I'm going to be a national champ. And 
I like didn't have this one piece of what Snyder called like the courage to compete. You know, when you put your foot on the line, a certain element of courage that it takes to put everything on the line of I'm going to exhaust myself in the match. I'm going to use the things that I've been working on in practice. I'm going to put my, myself in the state of vulnerability of hitting something like taking these shots. And I mean, you look at a guy like David Taylor, he's going to take, 10, 20, 30, 40 shots in a match. You take him down one time, I guarantee you that one takedown is not is not gonna beat him. You know, we've seen it happen many times. <laughs> right. And there was a guy, Eric Montoya, when I was young, who had that same he would tell me we were roommates, he was all he's a little more rough around the edges, but bro, that mother effort doesn't need it. Like he could take me down <laughs> two, three, four times. I'm gonna get up in his face. And I'm going to wear him out. Like, it doesn't matter, especially in folk style. You're going to get an escape. And, like, I'm only down four points after four takedowns. <laughs> <laughs> there's only so many guys that have that mentality. And there's that certain piece of courage to compete that, you know, you get one end of the spectrum, can't compete, but they do everything right. Then you get don't do anything right, but they can compete. They can ball out on game day. And then you get the guys that can do both. And then you get a Jordan Burroughs, you know, who's <laughs> at both ends of the spectrum. Right. That's something. Yeah. yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Both, both, when you say both sides of the spectrum, like guys come to mind on both sides of those. And I think the weird thing is like, I feel I can look back and be like, I've been both of those guys before. Yeah. And it's gone, it's gone well in different areas. Like in high school, I'd say I was like the do everything right. But at the same time, like most of the time, like I felt like anybody I wrestled, I was like, I'm, I'm better than the guy. So I'm going to beat him. Right. So like, it wasn't like I was going out like, Oh, I wonder how this is going to go. I'm like, it's either going to be a pin in the second or the first, you know what I mean? Like I was thinking how I was going to do it. Not, am I going to be all right in this match? And then other times where like, I didn't do anything right. And I was kind of being a shithead. And then I was like, dang, like I just had a really close match with the guy who just teched everybody else in the tournament. And like, I'm right there. I'm like, you know, I'm so close. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's weird. Like the headspace is, is totally different. And the, you're, you're, the way you approach matches is totally different too. Yeah, absolutely. That's so I mean, I had those like that kind of ebb and flow throughout my college career of beginning. It was more, I got to do everything right. If I'm not doing everything right, I'm not going to be a national champ. And then towards the end, I was more on the side of toughness of like, dude, it doesn't matter what I do. Like I could come in, I could be up till three o'clock in the morning and I'm still going to come in at 6am workout. I'm going to beat you up, you know, like that kind of mentality of like, and that really drove me my senior year of like, I, I, I think I had that and obviously didn't get a job at done at at the very at the very end with Jason Nolf but as far as mentality goes I think that's what got me to that point and you know there were there was some like tension as far as the the Nolf thing goes and all that but like to me I like I truly believed I was like bro it doesn't matter if he beats me 10 times this year <laughs> like by the time <laughs> finals come I'm and that that's like that confidence that I think has propelled me now towards in my career of like, I have this unreasonable confidence in myself of 
where I'm at in my wrestling that now I'm starting to put together as far as maturity goes. And now that I'm coaching and all these things, I'm starting to piece together these things in wrestling where I'm just starting to untap my potential as far as piecing together both those things of like, okay, yes, it's okay to bring in like going to sleep on time, eating the right things. Because almost, <laughs> I got to the point where I was almost thinking it was soft of like, bro, these guys that like, they eat the right things all the time. They go to sleep. Like I could just do it. I'm going to beat those guys up, you know, like, so the way Dave talks, I hate it. I hate it, dude, because his mentality on the sport is like, well, I'm really good because I don't look at blue light at this point in the night. And I, <laughs> I only see food and all this like crazy stuff. And I'm like, bro, bro, your like, cortisol ri- levels are rising. I don't, yeah, dude, yeah, they're like, really high right now. <laughs> there comes a point where it's like, I don't care about any of that. And I'm just like, my main focus is never going to be that stuff. Like that's the stuff yeah. that like would be the one, two percent. But as far as everything else, the 98% is me just like honing in on the craft of wrestling and being just really tough, you know? And that yeah. was something that Snyder texted me. It was hilarious. He, he made me laugh one morning getting ready for Joey McKenna. He texted me in the morning, this like four texts. I wake up to these like loaded texts of like, all this, uh, he'd been watching him online and like recruit, like not recruiting. Um, just like watching him like, Hey, he's got this, he's got this, he's got this. You got to watch out for this. And then the last text he sent was don't forget to be a bad mother effort. <laughs> it <was so> <laughs> <laughs> and it was what I woke up to. And I was like, yeah, dude, I love yeah. that. I love And we're it. doing it in a cage. I'm going to rub his face in the canvas. Let's go. Dude, that's the, that's the X factor that like, it doesn't matter how many salmon pieces that you ate that week. Like I'm going <laughs> to rush you, you know? Yeah. But well, it's like at the, at the end of the day, like, okay, so wrestling is a lifestyle, right? But like at the end of the day, what's, what's the goal? The goal is to be better at wrestling. If I'm a better wrestler, I'm going to win the match, right? Like it doesn't matter if I just ate Taco Bell and you've been eating, you know, chicken breasts right it does doesn't if i'm a better wrestler i'm a better wrestler it doesn't matter yeah i one time my coach was like eating taco bell before practice like in his office the assistant coach but i was like dude what are you doing like you know we got practice um and he's like i'm practicing my mental toughness and i'm sure he still beat a lot of people's <laughs> ass that practice. Trump guys can do it bro it's yeah. crazy Marshawn Lynch is eating Skittles on the sideline. And <laughs> that dude's a beast, man. Nobody can tackle that guy. That you dude's know, a uh, cowboy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's drinking whiskey at the at at the interviews. Like he doesn't care. Yeah. You know, but he's so good. And yeah. there is something I'm not gonna say like I support that lifestyle and like there's certain <laughs> things now, but like, dude, you you have to be able to look at those guys and be like, there's something about that that makes them successful that like, I don't care attitude, but also they're extremely good at their craft. And like, how are they piecing this together? But many people miss it. They want to go one end of the spectrum or the other. But when you can find that, like that middle of honing in on the craft, but still being just like a little crazy, (laughs) it's the perfect recipe. Um, There's a, have you ever, you ever heard of Jordan Peterson? He's a psychologist. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I read his book, 12 Rules for Life. And in the mm-hmm. book, he talks about you've got order and you've got chaos, right? And they're the yin and the yang. And he goes, people look at like, and my coach, uh, Coach Zawaska at Whitewater, he's like, like there are three sides to a coin, right? So you got heads, tails, and you got the edge, right? Everybody goes, there are two sides to a coin. Nobody calls the edge, right? Everyone's like heads or tails. This kid's a burnout or this kid's, uh, you know, prepares too much. He's like too, too far in that spectrum, right? So it's like the edge is like walking the order and chaos. It's walking the edge for the yin and the yang. And like, that's where it like all fits together where you're like, you're crazy and you've got chaos. We've got enough figured out where you're like, boom. And that's, that's the, those are the ones that, that pop off and are, have, have huge success. I love I like that. that. I've never heard that before. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, it was like it was like the chapter. I was like, I got to the end of it. I was like, I was listening to it, you know, because audiobooks while I run, and I'm yeah. like, I start that chapter over. I need to hear all yeah. that again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's just weird. Like chaos is is like like getting a girlfriend is chaos. You know what I mean? Like exposing yourself to new knowledge and new situations. That's chaos. Whereas yeah. like if you never leave your your bedroom and you're like, oh, I gotta be you know, ready to go for practice tomorrow. It's like, almost like you put too much pressure on practice and you don't like, you don't, you're not well-rounded. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. So there's a philosopher that talks about, so his name's Heidegger, Martin Heidegger. He talks about using a hammer and he says, you can't learn how to use a hammer by looking at it. And you can't learn to use a hammer by reading about it. You have to pick up the hammer and use it, you know? And so many people, and like that, that, that's perfect for today because people want to look up like you look up wrestlers that are great and you watch all these videos and people who know everything about wrestling and, and they're trying to do it. It's like, that's one thing. And then there's the guys that they read all about mental toughness and they want to know all these books and like they, they know everything that there is to know. And then all of a sudden there's the workout and those guys get lost, you know, Mm -hmm. then there's the guys who are just willing to put it on the line that are just going to outwork them, you know? And that's what we're talking about, like the both ends of the spectrum. And guys who are – there's a lot to say about someone who's willing to put in the work every single day, even if it's a small task. You know, a 10, 15-minute task, if you do it every single day for a year, that's why, I mean, year uh, New Year's resolutions, they don't work out a lot. But I dare you to work on one, do it every single day for a year, 10, 15 minutes, and people won't do it. You know, there, mm-hmm. it, there's something about doing something, the same thing over and over and over and over again, every single day that people just get bored of, or they can't do it. They're weak mentally and they just start to break, you know, like, mm-hmm. fit, like there's something in there that like, we're not used to it, but if you can, you start to break down these barriers of like, oh, I'm tapping into something that some, that all these other people aren't used to doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a, there's a, um, a, it's the Japanese art of like improvement or something like that, or, or like constant improvements called Kaizen, where it's like exactly what you just said, like 15 minutes to 30 minutes a day, do one thing and just do that one thing until you're a master at it every single day and yeah. consistently. And there's like, um, I got a list on my whiteboard right now of like the things I'm going to do, right? Um, like the one I'm on right now, <laughs> but you, you can't like, um, like once you understand how to do one thing successfully, like once you see the way broadly, you, you can like pretty much see it in anything. 
right? You get good at one thing, you can pretty much get good at anything if you just do it the same, apply the same principles, yeah. right? But uh, but yeah, that consistency day after day is like it's what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. So like, so last year I had a goal to read fifty-two books in a year. And wow. these aren't, so yeah, that's the first, everything, the first thing everyone says, oh, what are you reading? Kids books, you know, <laughs> Bob's books. Yeah, every single time. And no, they're like legitimate books. And, but it's something that what you had to do was I had to break down the book. Okay. There's 300 pages in the books. I got to read this many pages in a day. I got to set up this amount of time. I'm on social media for like three, four hours a day. I can break it down to one you know, and I could read for two, three hours a day. That was easy for first three, four months. Then all of a sudden events start happening, birthdays. Uh, someone's having this get together, this get together. I go to a wrestling tournament and then all this stuff starts coming up and then priorities start to change. And I had to figure out like, Hey, if I'm going to actually complete this goal, I'm going to have to wake up earlier or stay up a little later I'm gonna have to not get on my phone at all, maybe text. And you start to realize the sacrifices that you need to make. And like you said, like you can do anything. I like, I, you could go into any field that you want to get into. And if you start 15 minutes a day, then 20, 30, 40, and you do it every single day, you're going to outwork most people in, in the world. You know, most people aren't obsessed with their craft. And it's the same with wrestling. Like I could watch one match a day of some foreigners and I'm going to learn at a pace where most people aren't going to learn because they just don't do it. You know, it's easy. Oh yeah. I can watch a match a day and like in theory, but like actually the guy that's doing it every single day, it's very rare, you know? Yeah. And your brain's like constantly working on it. Adam and I actually uh, do this. We're, we're doing this program. <laughs> Adam's on day 50, right? 55. Yeah. 55. So like you basically, um, it's funny you said the reading, like we have to, in this program, you have to read, you have to read 10 pages a day, right? Which is, again, sounds easy, right? So easy. You gotta, you gotta build it in. You gotta exactly. build it in somewhere. And there's, there's two workouts a day, both 45 minutes. One has to be outside. You have to oh, what's it called? Hard 55? 75 hard. hard. Yes, dude. I've heard about it. Okay, wait. Yes. Keep going. Keep going. I, I forget what this is. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No um, alcohol. No, it, that's one of them. No alcohol. That's, geez, that one's tough. And then <laughs> a, a gallon of water a day. And yeah. like, yeah. I hurt my toe, but I've been like, so I finished it. And I, dude, best thing ever. I finished it, but then I like hurt my toe like three weeks later. Cause I was like, I'm going to do it again. Like I want to jump back in and like do it again. But while you're on it, you like towards the end, once you love it, like at first you hate it. Right. And then you're like, damn, it's hard. And then once you get to the point where you're like, you love it, it's like the best thing ever. And you don't want to, you don't want to like go back to regular life. No. Um, now don't get me wrong. After day 75, I got hammered, but like, trust <laughs> I'm going to too. or something of that. Yeah. <laughs> But trust me, like the, the, um, the, 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 like the structure you put it in your life, it's like, we were just talking about this, like the chemicals in your brain that release good feelings are like, one of them's go outside, you get this chemical. One of them's complete a task, you get this chemical, like dopamine, um, serotonin, all these different ones, right? Working out. So like you work out twice a day and it's like, it's your, your day is really structured 
but you feel so much better. You're so much happier. You're so much more productive. You're so much more in like in tune with your goals and stuff like that. And then you're instantly, because this challenge is like self-imposed, you're like, you like up your standard of, of your own life. Cause you're like, yeah. if I'm doing all this work, I'm not really going to be bothered by this, this little and no one's purpose level shit. Do it. Why are you doing it? You know, there's, yeah. people, why are you doing that? You know? Yeah. And it's like, cause we're crazy. Cause I want to. Yeah. If people have to ask that though. There's just like, there's no use in explaining it to them. They don't understand. No, yeah. no I, like, I, if, I did that. If you don't get challenging yourself to be better then I, I don't know. Like there's no way I can explain this to you. Yeah. Yeah, dude, just like the mainstream people, it's hard for me to connect with them because I'm like, listen, I get such a high off of like, I'm going to be in the gym every single day. <laughs> and like, yeah, I'm fasting for 16 hours every day. No, I'm not going to eat your cookie at eight o'clock at night. I don't care about your cookie. I care about my fasting. <laughs> people go, yeah. What are you doing? Like it's a it's a Friday <laughs> night, and I'm going to bed at nine o'clock, and they're like, "What, bro? Like it's time to go to the bars?" And I'm like, yeah. "No, it's time to, go to bed." <laughs> you know, <Yeah>. like <laughs> and that that's the thing with goals that is so crazy is it like with my reading goal, it was like, dude, like it relax. You read forty books, like oh yeah, we get it, we get it. You read books, you know, but yes. it's like. Dude, no, like I'm in this mission of like, I have to do this. And yeah, I'm gonna set aside so much time where I'm not gonna even connect with the world. I'm gonna get in this thing and I'm gonna do it because at the end of it, I'm gonna be like, yeah, I, I did what I was in, like what I in visualized me doing at the beginning of the year. And not many people understand what that's like because it is a little bit of like a, it's a, it's a crazy thing, you know? So many people go down this life of like, I'm going to be average. And then they get mixed up and like, oh yeah, my friends are doing this. So that's what I'm doing. And now I'm doing this and now I'm doing this instead of like, no, I'm going to be healthy, strong. I'm going to be absolutely amazing at this one thing, you know, and with social media and TV and all this other stuff, there's a lot of like, it's okay to be average. And I hate it. Mm. I, hate <laughs> I, I bet you got a lot of <laughs> i bet you got a lot of backlash like from your tweet about Nolf because kind of like what we were just talking about dude so that was the thing i did yeah i got a, such a big backlash and so now me where i'm at now in life it's like i can look back on that with a totally different mindset in the beginning i was mad so my whole senior year i think i boiled it down of like I was so mad training. It was like a ch the biggest chip on my shoulder of, dude, I know everyone thinks I can't do this and I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to post this and I'm going to throw a match in gasoline. And I knew, dude, it's so easy. First of all, social media is so easy to spark a flame. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all first of all, social media is so easy. <laughs> easy. Like, these people who like most of them are like not intelligent enough to understand, like I'm doing this to make you mad. And I got the reaction I wanted, you know, like, Twitter. yeah, like, yeah. boom. Oh yeah. Exactly what I thought I was going to get. And so most people just give me what I thought was going to happen. But like outside of that, 
it was like, I want kids to know that it's okay to go after something crazy. I mean, he was one of the best, he's one of the best wrestlers of all time in NCAA history. You know, he's freaking amazing at wrestling, especially in his college career. And I was going out there calling him out saying, I'm going to dethrone the king, you know, from the beginning. And I had no problem with it. If anything, if anything, Jason Olf was a guy that I, I think I knew him enough. First of all, I stalk people on social media. Like I craze about my competitor of like, I'm going to get to know him. I'm going to know his girlfriend. I'm going to know what he eats. I'm going to know what he likes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm going to find out yes. how to get his head. And for him, it was like, well, looks like he works hard. Looks like he does the right things. Looks like he plays board games on the weekends. Like, how <laughs> do I get this guy's head? He's not partying. He's not going out. Like, and then I was like, well, okay, here, let's try to throw a chink in his armor of like some guy saying something about him. Like, I'm not really scared of you. Like, I'm coming out to take you out. Let's just see if that works. <sighs> you know, did it work? <laughs> It's, it was Dude, it, I was like, as far as confidence and mentality, like I was going out there to win. And yeah. when I lost, it was like, I tell, I told people like, I, I absolutely thought I was going to win when I went out in the NCAA finals, 100%. I got majored two weeks before. And as far as confidence went, I was like, doesn't matter. Like he could beat me, like I said, 10 times before we go into the NCAA finals. I only got to beat him one time it's got to be right there in that moment. And it didn't happen. Now, who cares? You know, I'm an NCAA finalist. Who cares? We're on to the next thing. And now it's like, okay, we're going to make world teams, Olympic teams. If he beats me in the world team trials at this, doesn't matter, baby. 2022 is going to come around and I'm coming right back at you. You know, it's like that mentality of constant because, well, first of all, I've done things where I know what it's like to put in the work every single day and then there's a goal i don't get it okay i can reassess things every single day i'm gonna go after the next thing and then the next thing let's say i'm not a world team member or an olympic gold medalist i'm gonna go out in the real world and or maybe i transition into coaching and i'm gonna every single day we're gonna work towards a national title maybe it's not coaching maybe it's a business and then you know it just things in wrestling transfer and it's an attitude for life of attacking things that, like I said, the mainstream people that are okay with being average, I don't connect with. And it doesn't, we don't gel because they don't understand the commitment and the discipline that it takes to be great. Right. You know? Yeah. The um, high achievers don't, there's some quote, I'm going to butcher it, but like high achievers don't really like average people and average people don't really like high achievers. Yeah. And like, no, so when you when you sent out that that tweet, first thing that went through my mind was this dude's crazy. Second thing that went through my head was I kind of like it. That was yeah. like because because like people were like it, it's going to be the hindsight thing. Like Ben does this all the time. Like when you're you're talking about like the match on Twitter, he loves that, right? He's like he's like watch this. I'm gonna piss everyone off on Twitter. <laughs> Gets his yeah. phone. Um, but like the the people people that understand like putting yourself out there and having like a huge like mission or, or, you know, to dethrone the King, right. Huge goal. Like people who understand that line of thinking are going to look at you and respect you more for it and like you more for it. And the people that don't understand it are going to be like, 
well, that's what he gets. He talks shit. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> <laughs> he deserves it. <laughs> Dude, my DMs after that match, same oh, thing. I told you. I told you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was just did like, you, oh, Did you really? God. For real? <laughs> That's yeah. crazy. Oh, dude, DNs like go crazy. There's like some crazy. So same thing my sophomore year when I I said something about Kemmer and Kemmer beat me in the duel and it was a crazy close match, crazy match. And immediately after it was like, dude, what a bunch of losers, dude. There was I there was a Facebook message that was like this long and I'm oh my god. It was like I can't even. I don't even want to see what was said. And I Iowa just, fan one hundred and one has entered the chat. Yeah, yeah, dude, it was crazy. And same thing with Penn State. Like every fan, like these people have these like connections with this with this school and with these twenty-one-year-old kids. That is like unhealthy. Yeah, you know, that's and, whack. But. It, it, you know, you got, I mean, if you're going to, and that's the thing, like if you're going to put something out on social media, you better be ready for that backlash because <laughs> it's not going to be pleasant if it doesn't go your way. But yeah, you go with the punches and on the next thing. Dude. And I can, I can kind of look at it like, like I'm friends with you. I'm friends with Nolf. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it's that you guys are both on your, your own, like, you know, path. Like you both want to be national. Like that's what makes wrestling so great. You both want to be national champs, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, like the the um, there's a that's why you don't see a whole lot of shit talking from wrestler to wrestler. It's a lot yeah. of like the fans because like you you respect each other. I mean, uh, what was it? I Imar and Burroughs had like tough matches at Final X, mm-hmm. and I remember like watching them interact. Like I think it was a month after that. And it was like they were like friends, like close friends. I was like, there's a there's a respect level. You know what I mean? Like it's not it's not this um, like fighting. <laughs> it's not like, you know, the UFC or, or anything like that where they're like, hey, let's build this fight by just hating each other. You know, there's money in it, man. There's, there's yeah. Lot, and there's a lot of people that will buy into it that have like. Oh, this guy said this, and then this guy, and then there's like, <laughs> yeah. oh, it's like, bro, those guys yeah. don't hate each other, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those oh, dudes don't know each other. How do they even know yeah. each other? Yeah, no, that was oh, yeah. uh, that's funny. I mean, yeah, I mean, as far as no, like <clears throat> the summer before, I think it was 2018. So yeah, going in, we were both in the world. So we were both teammates. For our, so I was training partners with Burroughs. He was training partners with Rethenford. We were, there was one time we were in Germany and we were spike ball partners, me and Noel. And like, you know, there's like, a, there is that respect of like, okay, bro, like I know I'm going to see you in the duel. I know I'm going to see you in NCAs. And of course I like had to make the comment and it was like, okay, we're going to do this. But if I see you, I'm not going to, uh, it's not going to be like the Twitter war that everyone sees of like, oh, I'm going to no. take your head off, dude. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> we're at such a high level that it's like there's only respect, you know. Yeah, for sure. Well, we should uh, we should wrap this up soon, but I do want to hear 
I want to hear this for a long time. I want to hear you tell us the story about you going on this like hundred mile walk or whatever. Let's go. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it was. We my got six minutes. Just so you know. Okay. <laughs> six. My roommate. We were sitting around at my dining room table, and somehow this conversation got brought up. I think we were talking about like biblical times of. They used to have to walk hundreds of or like a hundred miles to go take a census or whatever it was, and, and we were like, "Oh yeah, that's crazy." And then he said something. He was like, "Oh, there's no way you could do that." And I was like, "What? <laughs> what do you mean?" And he's like, "Yeah, there's no way you could walk a hundred miles." And I was like, "Uh, okay." So I went to bed and I was like, I like couldn't stop thinking about it and i was like dude this guy like i i don't like that the like the thought that he doesn't think i could do this this is the middle of wrestling season too <laughs> so i was like thinking about it and i we started like looking up so he has a twin brother who lives in omaha and just so happens that he was 52 miles away from our house in lincoln so i was so mad i was like you know what I'll walk the 104 miles and I'll do it without any sleep. Like I can, I'm not only going to walk hundred miles, I'm going to do it without any sleep. Like there's, I absolutely can do this. So I brought up this idea to our 97 pounder, Eric Schultz, who we were like really close. And I knew he was a little bit, he was enough of crazy that I knew he would like, he would say yes. So he says, yes. He's like, Oh yeah, we'll do it. So I sign our, we had this like whiteboard, and I said, like, I wrote out, like, I'm going to walk 104 miles to Nate's place and back after wrestling season. Signed it. After wrestling season, about a month after, we, like, plan out a weekend. It's the weekend before finals. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm a senior, and I only, have, I only had one class, and it was happiness and wellness was my class. Right, so this is like senior senioritis to the max. Dude, I'm just gonna yes. walk to the next no, town over. No problems. And Eric had a full schedule because he's younger, and so we set out on this walk. He starts chafing extremely bad at about <laughs> twenty and twenty one, where it's like getting where he can't really walk with his legs together. And then at like, so the night hits, the first night hits, it's starting to rain on us. It's cold. We can't even like make a fist of how cold our hands are. We hit the house, we start heading back and we have to stop at a Walmart at like mile 60 to make this makeshift David Goggins tape job on our feet. <laughs> and at this point we're like barely walking and like, blisters going crazy and when i like so then we're like we continue to walk it gets to the point where where i almost broke we almost broke like several times so we're like he's almost breaking i gotta like encourage him i'm almost breaking he's encouraging me we get to the point where the hardest thing was when the second night came and i could see the sun going down and i was like oh no not again <laughs> We got to walk through the entire night in the middle of the dark. And so he had to get me up like, come on, man. Like, we can do it. We can do it. Um, Colt McChrystal, one of our old teammates, gave us some hot chocolate on the side of the road, gave us a little spark. We keep going. It's the middle of the night. 
Schultz starts getting sick, like coming out, like it wasn't coming out the front end. <laughs> and we're on the side of the road. And so we're like, with the grind and it's like gives me a little bit oh, of god like, it's funny but like i'm kind of worried about him and <laughs> we get to the point we talked about we talked about the whole time we're like dude when we hit mile 90 we're gonna get this like second wind of like oh 10 miles we're almost there turns out 10 miles away is a long ways away of like <laughs> think about from mile zero to mile 10 is like that was a long ways and i've already gone 90 and i still gotta go 10 more <laughs> i started breaking down crying so we got to the point where i was walking in front of schultz because he was like dude i need you to walk in front of me and you can like go as far as you can but i need you in front of me because i need that as my motivation to like keep going so we were going in, and i just started breaking down crying at like 96 97 miles Finally, oh, got like one minute left, by the way. Oh, yeah. So finally, we ended up hitting the house and Schultz passed out. And so we did it in 49 and a half hours. And Schultz passed out wow. within like two, three minutes on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame I, I want to do that, John. We got to do that eventually. But Tyler, do you have any last words you got to say about Ashnault? Hey, man. Uh, again, put down the spaghetti and meatballs, put down the garlic bread for a week. Once I beat you, I want your girlfriend. If you don't have a girlfriend, I want your mom to make me a nice bit of Italian food. We can hang out afterwards, but uh, let's scrap, man. Let's go. Thank you, Tyler and John. All right, man. And that is it for today, folks. Shout out to Tyler and John for taking the time to do the podcast. I loved hearing about Wrestling Underground, the Nolf tweet. And my favorite story of the podcast was definitely the walk. That is insane and pretty funny as well. But anyways, fan of the week this week is Corey Scanlon. And he also bought a Mad Awareness t-shirt at tdpclothing.com. That's tdpclothing.com. I appreciate that a lot. I'll be picking a new one next week if someone buys a shirt or leaves a review or does any of that good stuff. If you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure you're subscribed and you like the video. I would appreciate that. Also, if you're on Apple Podcasts, please make sure you've rated it and left a review. If you have already, thank you. If you haven't, please do that. I would appreciate it. See ya.